What's up, family? You guys good? You guys awake? All right. You know, we always have this sitting back there. Some of you have seen it back there, but um, it says this. It's a privilege to be on this platform. Now, some of you have never been up here. I've told you before, this is not just a, it's not a stage, it's a platform. But I think if we're not careful, we'll, we'll limit this and, and think this is like the only platform or some place over there that you stand on is your platform. What you don't understand is your life is a platform. Your life is a platform. And if you will live it with this, like it's a privilege to have a platform to speak about Jesus. It's not a burden. It never has been. If you see it like that, you've got it all mixed up. It's a privilege. And then what's that last part? Thank you, God, for choosing me. Anybody excited that he chose you, that he picked you up and turned you around, right? That he pulled you out of darkness into his marvelous light? That's it. And so if he did that, that's your platform. You are a platform for the Lord. And so what we're going to see, and we're going to break this down today, um, we're going to look at this, and I, I, I really want you to hold on to this because we're going to talk about it a little more. Thank you, King. Thank you, sir. If you've got your Bibles, turn over it to the book of Acts in chapter 24. We've been on this huge journey, and I've really got to move today. Thank you for, for just hanging out with us at a prayer moment. As you see, there's just so much stuff going on in our world. And I think a lot of times we're looking at the outside dangers, like this thing is a danger, and watch out for this, and you got to go see this documentary. And yes, all of that's true, but maybe, maybe the biggest dangers for us aren't on the outside. Maybe they're on the inside. Maybe we're in danger of just walking around angry all the time, never being healed from what we need to be healed from. Maybe we're, we're just full of apathy. We just don't care anymore. We're just washed out and numb to the things of this world. Maybe we're totally absent of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maybe we're just lost on there. And, and then maybe we're just full of procrastination. We're going to see something today. And one of the, the leaders of the area that Paul was addressing, he certainly saw his life as a platform. That's why he preached everywhere he went, and in, in, in the good times and in the bad. And so a question for you today is, what's in you? What's in you? Is it anger? Is it frustration? Is it doubt? Is it concern? Or is it all the fruits of the spirit that we said? Or is it an expectation of how God's going to use you as you use your, pla your life as a platform to preach the gospel wherever you're at? Like, Paul, and then a secondary question, is it the same, what's inside of you, is it the same on good days and on bad days? Is it the same? I don't know. What we see, I was reading Spurgeon this week, and if you've ever read Spurgeon, he's a lofty thinker and the prince of preachers, but he said this about Paul. He said, the power of the gospel appears in marvelous grandeur when we see its hold upon hearts devoted to it when subjected to trouble, persecution, and sorrow. That's really when you get a good glimpse at somebody's life, right? When you see them going through something. Because everybody, when they're walking on the mountaintops, it feels good, right? Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. What are you, what are you doing when everything's tough? When it's, and this is what he goes on to say. Spurgeon goes on to say, how mighty must that gospel be? Which, in, when it gained an entrance into the heart of Paul, could never be driven out of it. For he suffered a loss of all things. And as for them, he counted them but dung that he might win Christ. All of this stuff, you can have it all. You can beat the skin off my back. You can take my freedom, but I'm free in Christ, right? You can, you can try to beat me down. You can send the whole city against me. You can riot. You can try to scare me, but I'm alive in Christ, and it doesn't matter. 
He's got me, church. He's got you, church, just like he had Paul. And we, 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 war, we war with this inside of us. We war. And just as he, Jesus had told Paul to take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Romans chapter 23 when we saw this attack grow even stronger as 40 religious leaders took an oath and a, a fasting vow. We said, we, we, we will not eat till we kill this man. That's an intense threat for his life, but he wasn't too concerned about it, was he? He just kept on preaching, and so he goes and stands in front of Felix. They, the tribune sends him away. The, the guy that was against him now sends 470 soldiers to protect him as they take him to Felix so they can hear his case there. And the title of today's message is A Cheerful Defense, Acts 24.1. After five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesperson, one turtleist. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. Now remember, they would have had to show up. Felix said, hey, if anybody, any of your accusers, this is just Roman law. If there's going to be any accusers, just like do you ever get a speeding ticket and go and the cop didn't show off? He doesn't show up and you get off? Anybody? Yeah, hallelujah, right? <laughs> it might be worth that somebody just paid a ticket, but that is a possibility that he might not show up. That used to be how it worked back in the day. So they had to, they had to show up, but these guys wouldn't be deterred. They were after Paul's life. They wanted to see him dead. They saw him as a threat to their power, to, to their, their operational um, system, so they wouldn't be deterred. Verse 2 says, when he had summoned when they had been summoned, Turtleus began to accuse him, saying, now Turtleus is like the lawyer. He's the spokesperson. He's the one who's standing up. He's presenting the case before Felix. And this is how he starts his speech. Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this region in every way and everywhere. We accept this with all gratitude. What's he doing here? Trying to butter him up. Like a good lawyer, right? He's going to go, your honor, we want to present this case to you. But before we talk about the case, let me tell you how awesome you are. You're so good. You look good. You smell good. You feel good. Everything is good in here about you. Now, well, this is obviously flattery because Felix was known as being a very violent man. In fact, violence in the end would actually cost him his job. If you study that in history, you'll see that he lost his job by exercising too much power, too much authority, too much violence. He had been a slave, Felix had been a slave that had won his freedom and somehow worked his way up. One historian said he ruled the area, but he ruled it with the mind of a slave. Be careful. Be careful. You never, you never want to get to where God got you and, and try to rely on how you thought when you were a slave. Don't think like that anymore. God, if God has set you free, operate in freedom. Don't go back to that negative space that the enemy had you in in your mind. You start making decisions out of a place back here when God has brought you to here. Don't do that. This is why we're careful with elevating people, right? What do we say about elevation of wounded people? If they're, if they're physically or emotionally or spiritually bleeding, if you put them above people, what do they do? They bleed on people. We need people who, who understand healing and operate in healing and who, who've been taught not perfect people. Nobody's perfect. Only God is perfect. But the higher people go and they're still bleeding, the more people they bleed on. Some of you have leaders like that in your life. They just just all over the place. and just an emotional mess, just bleeding all over the place. God has not, he doesn't have that for you in your leadership. He has healing to go up. And so when you get to the place that God's put you, thank God for it. It's a privilege to be a platform for 
the Lord. Verse 4 says, but to detain you no further, Turtle said, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. He's hoping for a quick judgment in their favor. For we have found this man a plague, talking about Paul, one who stirs up riots among all Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. So he makes his case here. Three points against Paul. One was he was a worldwide troublemaker stirring up riots everywhere. Well, Paul's just a guy. He can't be everywhere. He can't. We, we tell you often to stay away from hyperbole, right? We try not to use these. And, and if you've never learned this in your marriage, try never to say always and never. Don't do that. Right? Just stay away from those things or everywhere or everything. Right? You always, always, always do this or never do this. It's just not true. Right? So stay away from those things. And this is what the, a, a good lawyer wouldn't use those things. But he does. That's the first charge. And by the way, these are all political. The second was he was a, he was a leader or a ringleader of a Nazarene sect. Now, under Roman law, Judaism would have been grandfathered in as a religion, so they would have allowed it. But they didn't want any branches. Off of it. So they were saying, hey, this is a political danger for you, Felix, if you don't get this thing under control. And the third was that he attempted to desecrate the temple. Now, if you go back to chapter 21, Paul shows up on the scene. He wants to go to Jerusalem and he does everything he can in his, in his physical power to show, like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do everything and we're going we're gonna to fall in line with the old customs so that we can go to the temple. And it wasn't enough. For them, and it's kind of brutal. Verse 8 says, By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything which we accuse him. So now, Tertullus has made his case. The Sanhedrin, the religious guys, they're, they're back behind him, as we'll see in just a moment. They, they affirm everything. But I started thinking about this week about these guys in particular because just a few chapters before this, not long ago, Paul was very similar in his thought process. He's traveling around, he's there when Stephen is stoned to death, and it says that he was holding their coats and probably getting them stirred up, so he was inciting riots, but this is pre-Jesus, right? So he's, he's there, and I, I start thinking about these guys like, well, well, they were similar before Christ, they're very similar to what, what Paul was like, so how much of this was evil, and how much of it was ignorance? Evil and ignorance. I, I saw a video the other day, a social media guy, and he, this guy's interviewing another young man, and somebody passes right by. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't care that they were shooting a video. And the guy who was doing the interview said, man, look at this guy. He just cut it. He doesn't even care that we're doing a video. And the young man spoke with such great wisdom. He said, never attribute to malice what might be ignorance. Like, I think we automatically jump to malice, like that person did this thing and they're out to get me and they're trying to hurt me and they're trying to take me out. But maybe, just maybe, they're ignorant. They, they don't have the knowledge of. They, they don't have the experience. Their eyes haven't been opened. Their, their mind hasn't been opened to a new way to do things. They've, they're just doing what they know to do. Now, is that an excuse? I don't know because we, we're looking here and these guys have certainly been presented the gospel. But be careful about just... Don't expect blind people to be able to see. <laughs> it's like, why is the world acting this way? <laughs> because they need Jesus. 
Their eyes have not been opened yet. And just as you wouldn't physically get mad at somebody for being physically blind, spiritually, I don't want to get mad at them. I want to present the gospel to them. Why? Because it's a privilege to be a platform for Jesus, right? I started thinking like, why, did, why didn't Jesus blind them? He blinded Paul on the road to Damascus, got his attention, didn't he? He said, shining light. Hey, what are you doing persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? It's me, Jesus. You're persecuting my church. Okay, so why didn't that happen here? Well, he had a different method to reach people. It was Paul. Verse 9 says, the Jews also joined in the charge, affirming all these things as though they were so. So Tertullus is presenting, and they're behind him like, yeah. They didn't have much to say, apparently. 10. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. A cheerful defense. His introduction is short. It's not very flattering. He implies that Felix knows the situation, which he probably did. He had already been given a letter, a, a letter from the tribune, right, that, that would have stated everything that has happened. But not only that, he had his finger on the pulse of things. He was a leader, right? He understood that. And so he probably would have got the daily breakdown, the daily report, the briefing, so that he could make decisions about this. 11 says, you can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. So Paul begins to give his defense cheerfully. He gives several points. One is, I haven't even been in Jerusalem that long. I've only been in there like 12 days, and you're thinking I'm going to stir up the whole city? I haven't had enough time to do that. Secondly, they didn't find me disputing with anyone. They arrested me out of the temple. I was going to worship. I'd done everything that was required of me, and they're still trying to take me out. I certainly wasn't stirring up a crowd, and I wasn't doing it in a city, and I wasn't doing it in the synagogue. No riots were stirred up. And 13, neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. Well, shouldn't there be proof? Shouldn't there be proof? Well, there wasn't. He was under there. Uh, but certainly in law, there's a burden of proof, right? You have to prove we're innocent until proven guilty. And so there, there should be this. And Paul knows this. He's brilliant. He understands culture. He understands law. He understands religion. He's multilingual, multicultural. He understands a lot of this. 14, he says, but this I confess to you. And this is where you see a shift. This isn't just about law. This isn't just about society. This is about the gospel, people. It's always been about the gospel. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, capital W, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except to me. According to the way, which they call a sect. They call a branch, right? A, a branch off of Judaism, Christianity. I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So what's Paul saying here? What he's saying is that there's a hope in the resurrection, the same as his accusers. And, and by this, Paul means that Christianity is the, the outgrowth. It was the way that everything that in the, in the Old Testament pointed to the one who was coming, who would become the way, Jesus. And so he steps into that. So Old Testament, good, right? Law, good. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. So the New Testament is the outflow. We believe in the Bible. 
One Bible rightly divided, the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see it here. And so you're like, I only like the New Testament. Well, you need to read the Old Testament too. Right? We are just in a full study. We just finished up First and Second Samuel as a staff. We're in First and Second Kings. Just some amazing stuff in there, amazing things. If, I, if I'm not careful, I could just lean and just preach out of the Old Testament all the time because I really like the Old Testament. But we love the whole the whole Bible. We love it all. We need it all. We need to see it all. It's all for us to learn and to grow. So he says this, 16, I, I always take pains. There's a pain in me. There's a, there's a, a grind. There's a, a tension inside of me to do this, to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Whew. Some of you, you're like a really good Jensen Franklin talked about the prodigal son, the story in the prodigal son, and he, he said, remember the brother that was not so happy when the, the son came home? He said he was a great son, but he was a horrible brother. The great son. He, he stayed, the, the younger brother left, acted like a complete crazy person, right? Just went out and spent all of his inheritance, lived with the pigs, partied like a wild animal, and then wanted to come home. When he came home, his brother's like, ugh. I've been here the whole time, Dad. Where's, where's the fatted cow for me? Where's the celebration for me, right? And, 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 and he was just a great son, but a horrible brother. And Paul says, I want to be a good brother, and I want to be a good son. And I want to do it as the best that I can. I want to, like, I feel the tension to love you. He said, I, I will become all things to all people so that I can win some. some. Some people don't care. You can literally just give them everything and they'll just use you and abuse you and take and take and take and pull and it won't win them in the end. They'll go out and do whatever they want. That's not for you to worry about. It's not, you are not the changer of hearts, but, but I, wanna, I do want to do this in my own life. I, wanna, I definitely want to have attention and, and we can get the weight, we can get the weight of being treated bad or the weight of you know, the disappointment of people, we have a disappointment in people sometimes, you know what I mean? It's like over and over and over again. We've tried, we've tried, we've tried, and it's just, am I casting my pearls before swine? Is it just a waste of time? No, I want to I wanna do this. I want to I have a clear conscience with people so that I can win some. I can't win them at all, but I can win some. I'm going to give it my best. 17 says, now after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings this is another reason why he was there. Luke doesn't talk about it much, but we see it in some of the other epistles as he talked about this offering. Now, whether he was just bringing it to present it in the temple or maybe it was a Thanksgiving offering or, you know, he said, my, my life is a drink offering poured out for the Lord. I would just pour it out and let, it, let the steam rise to you, God. So he didn't care about just collecting money and just keeping it all for himself. He's just like, everything for the Lord. This is how he lives. Why? Because it's a privilege. To be a, pro a platform for the Lord. It's a privilege to be able to share. And I thank God that you chose me. This is what Paul, this is how he's living. 18 says, while I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd, tumult, but some Jews from Asia. Remember, these guys were kind of following him around. Apparently, they followed him up into Jerusalem. But they should have been here. Listen to what he says. He says, they ought to be here before you. To make an accusation, should they have anything against me? Where are they at? Where are my accusers? Where are they at? They should be here. Again, Paul's not laying down. He's like, Paul's not trying to suffer for the sake of suffering. He's like, if that's what I have to do, that's what I'll do. But I'm not, like, I'm going to present some facts to you, Felix. Where are they at? 
20 says, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they have found when I stood before the council, other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them. It is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. Ooh, Paul, Paul knew Roman law. We saw that last chapter. He knew his recusers were supposed to be present. He knew these guys from Asia had it out for him. But he also knew that their accusations really didn't have any merit. So if they came and they presented these things, it wouldn't go well for them with false accusations. So they probably took off. So what does he do? What does he do? Paul, Paul has this crazy opportunity to just stand there and be like, I don't really want to go to prison. And I'll, I'll lie and I'll scheme and I'll cheat just to do whatever it takes to get me out of this rough situation. He, he, he could have done all of that. That's not what he does at all. He goes right back to the very thing that is at the center of his life, and that is the hope of Jesus Christ. That's it, like a... I'm not going to tell you how good I am. I'm not going to tell you what I've done. I'm not going to tell you about this, that, or that. I'm just going to tell you about Jesus because it's a privilege to be a platform. It is a privilege. So maybe, maybe he's on trial for that, as he says. And then this is, there's an, an immediate danger, an immediate threat on his life. Remember, these guys are trying to kill him. But he is going to go to the gospel. And the heart, the heart, the core of the gospel, right, is that there is a resurrection, that Jesus came, that he lived a perfect life, that he became the perfect sacrifice. He died a horrific death on the cross, right? Went to the grave, rose again in total victory, and is now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. That is at the heart of it, that he didn't stay dead, that he rose again in victory for you. And that's where he goes. That's where he takes these people, everybody all listening, now keep in mind, he's there by himself. He doesn't have a whole legal team, a whole, a whole council sitting behind him going, yeah, Paul, you should say this too. Let me confer with my clients. Let me get it. Hey, Gally, can we get a five-minute recess? No, he's presenting the gospel because it is a privilege. It's a privilege to talk about Jesus. It's a privilege to talk about the resurrection from the dead. It's a privilege to me, tell me that I was dead in my sins, that I was dead in my transgressions, but now I live in abundant life because of what Jesus said. It's a privilege for me to talk to you about that. 22 says, but Felix having a rather accurate knowledge of the way. I love how Paul talks about the way in Acts, capital W. Felix knew something about it. He said, putting them off when the Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Now, Felix was married to a Jewish lady, but he had stole her from her husband. Now, these are not good people, right? Uh, he was ruling the area. He understood the societal norms, and he certainly would have understood when there was some kind of insurrection that was coming his way. Again, he would have had his finger on the pulse of things, so he certainly knew about the way. But it's not just that he knew about it, it's that he had an accurate knowledge of it. Sounds to me like Felix is what I said could be a major problem for a lot of people. He's a procrastinator. There's a bunch of people sitting in this room right now. You've, you've got an accurate knowledge of the way. You've been in church a long time. You just still like to do stuff that you like to do. You're procrastinating. I'm going to get to that. 
I'm going to get to the surrender part right after I fill in the blank. I really, I'd like to give this to you, Lord, but no, I don't. I don't want to give it to you. I'm going to hold on to it for myself because I'm a pro procrastinator. But what about the weight of the truth that you might not get another chance? You might not get another chance to fully surrender your life to Christ. He goes on, 23, listen to this. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So Paul's friends get to come and go. This is not a bad situation, almost, almost like house arrest, right? So apparently he's, he's kind of like leaning towards like Paul's innocent here. But I'm also a political figure, so I'm trying to balance everything out. 24 says, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about his faith in Christ Jesus. And he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and coming judgment. And Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get the opportunity, I will summon you. Imagine, imagine if you got an opportunity to sit with one of the top leaders in our country. What if he said, tell me all your hopes and dreams? What would you say? Well, I was hoping that we could start this or start that or start a feeding program. Paul doesn't do any of that. <laughs> Paul talks about righteousness, self-control, and coming judgment. Now, that's a balanced gospel, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a balance, like, to get the righteousness and, you know, he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He, he did this for us, but guess what? God will not be bound. He's a God of love. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but God will not be mocked. There is a judge. He's a loving God who has welcomed us into his house, and yet he will not be mocked, and he will judge one day. And, and guess what? Some people, and even the people, just because you do miracles, just because you prophesy, just because you do this, that doesn't mean that he knows you. Read Matthew 7. Read it. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Right, so this is about, this is about, man. Well, Felix is confronted. Says he was alarmed. I mean alarmed, terrified, frightened, trembled. Mess the, the message had hit him in the heart. And I think for some of us, we're, we're patty caking with some of our friends too much a little bit. And we got to present them with the full gospel. We got to put them to a decision. It's okay. It's okay. Now, I'm not saying run up with your, your grandpa's Bible that's like this big and smack him in the face and tell him Jesus loves him. I'm just, you know, the, the, the whole gospel, the whole gospel, a call to righteousness. Spurgeon said this too. He said, I desire always to preach to you, nor do I wish to exhibit the power of eloquence, nor would I even pretend to exhibit any depth of learning. I would simply say, hear me, my fellow men, for God doth send me unto you. There are some things that concern you. I will tell you of them. You are dying. Many of you, when you die, must perish forever. It is not for me to be amusing with you to some of the deep things that may instruct your intellect, but do not enter your hearts. It is for me to fit the arrow to the string and send it home to the unsheathed sword. What he's saying is like some... Get this in them. You, 
can't, you can't give somebody what you don't have. But if, if, you, will, if you will use this, right, and, and you've heard me say this before, and I, it was one of my favorite quotes, right? Some of you are like, I don't quote scripture because they don't believe it. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. This is the sword of the spirit. They might not believe it, but it's sharp. And you've heard me say this too. If we're in a sword fight and you don't believe my sword's sharp, do you think I'm not going to use it? No, I'm going to cut your leg off in the name of Jesus, right? We are going to win because Jesus wins and the sword of the spirit will get in there. Listen to this. i gotta, I got to go. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. You see the corruption of his heart. You see his procrastination that he just wants to advance in his own ways. And he's not so much concerned about salvation or the salvific nature of, of Paul's testimony. He just is like just trying to rise. So he sent him off, sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had lapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Stand with me real quick. Two years? Well, you thought Paul was just going to walk out of there, didn't you? He thought he was just going to slide out just because he, he, he had it and everything he said was really good. And he presented the gospel. And just because you talk about Jesus, everything's going to be good. What well, is everything's going to be good? Not everything's going to be easy. It's good. Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose in all things. Prison, two years, beaten, bloodied, shipwrecked, tired, cold, hungry, forgotten about. All things. All things. Listen. Sometimes we experience delay. We experience a two-year delay. That does not mean God is not aware. Does that mean he, he doesn't mean he's not in control? And he's looking for the soul that trusts him all the way. Because if you're walking on the mountaintops, it's a privilege to talk about God. If you're in the cell block, it's a privilege to be a platform for the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, thank you. Just as we sang earlier. Sometimes it's all we can get out, and maybe that's just enough. Your, your word tells us that you are pleased with our simple gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for picking me, God. Come on, make that your prayer. Thank you. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, now I can see. I was lame, I, I can walk now. I can stand before you, God, and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, in what you've started, you are faithful to complete. Father, I pray for every heart in this room. 
Fill us with your love. Fill us with your goodness. Fill us with your mercy and compassion. Your boldness, your holy boldness to tell others about you and in a deep, deep understanding that it is a privilege to be a platform to share your love. It is a privilege to be a platform to share your truth. Let us not hold back. Now is not the time. It's never been the time. But God, let it rip out of us. Let it be a fire inside of our bones that we can't help but tell our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, strangers, that you are love, that you are grace, and that you are calling us home. You are chosen, and, and there's a coming judgment. We believe in our hearts. Confess with our mouth that you are our Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving us as we've already said, we've already testified. You've saved us. Now be the Lord of our lives. Holy Spirit, convict us where necessary. Guide us. Direct us. And use us. Use us. This is your church. We are your people. Thank you for building your church, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Can we put our hands together for the word, church? Tell you a couple things real quick. Thank you for being here. It's summertime. We've got a few seats around. Uh, listen, we're we're gonna we're gonna just rip open Homestead in this next season. We're just gonna rip through it with the gospel. Listen, and every one of you, there's gonna be, I don't know how many, over a thousand people in this in this room today, over three services. Listen, imagine if each and every one of you just brought like five people to Jesus. I'm not even saying the church, just to Jesus. Imagine how fast Homestead would be flipped upside down. It wouldn't, the news would show up. National news would show up. That's how fast it can happen if you will activate your faith. Don't be shy. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation whereby we must be saved. Church, believe it. Own it. Speak about it like you love him, all right? Can we do that? Can we do that? I love you guys. If nobody told you, I love you more than you can imagine. I lay in bed sometimes and think about your faces and just pray for you, right? Hey, um, <laughs> God bless you guys. Let's pray our benediction together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys. See you soon.